greetings and salutations. Welcome to Tanisha's Reading Corner Podcast. I am your host, Tanisha. Tanisha's Reading Podcast is dedicated to anyone who desires to make reading a daily habit as a form of self-care. To stay updated when a new podcast is uploaded, please subscribe to the channel. In addition, you can find me on Instagram at Tanisha's Reading Corner for many book recommendations and tips and tricks on how to keep reading a daily habit. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, listeners of the podcast, thank you so much and welcome, welcome again, welcome back to another episode of Tanisha's Reading Porter Podcast. I am over the moon excited about this week's episode because we are going to be talking all things Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Just in anticipation for the new movie that's coming out this Friday, if you have not already, please go get your tickets. I heard it's a good one. So, oh, so if you do go, wear all white that's what we're doing we're stepping out we're going outside in our white and we're going to be wakandering forever so now today's episode is going to be a new one for the podcast today we're going to be doing a book review not just any book though we're going to be doing two yes i said two one two book reviews comic book reviews two different versions of the same character black panther I ever since I was a little kid I have always loved comic books especially the X-Men Marvel I've always been a Marvel head and I also got into the Black Panther series as well too because I just I wanted to read a comic book character about people who looked like me so today two books one the first one Reginald Hudlin's Black Panther titled Who is the Black Panther and then the other one by Ta-Nehisi Coates, entitling Black Panther, One Nation Under Our Feet. Both these men, even though they do talk about the same character, they both come at it from different point of views, excuse me, different perspectives. So we'll be comparing and trashing the two. Also, we'll be talking about Black Panther's care evolution and character. Ah, so much to talk about, so little time. So, let's just dive in. So, the first book we're going to talk about is Reginald Hudlin's Who is the Black Panther? Now, Reginald Hudlin is an American film screenwriter, director, producer, and comic book writer, of course. Through the movies, he's known for A House Party, Boomerang, and Django Unchained. So, the Black Panther and Who is the Black Panther? Now, it's also, before we begin that, first and point that the character Black Panther was created by... Jack Kirby and Stanley. So, rest in peace, Stanley. So, who is the Black Panther? Basically, details Black Panther's origin story, but it also gives him a more modern take as well, too. Case in point, we start off with this going back into ancient times of tribals and whatnot. And so, it really begins to explain the Black Panther folklore and the early origins of the of the tale. So, the comic book starts out with a neighboring tribe coming into Wakanda, trying to take it over. And one of the characters in particular says, I can't, I hope these Wakandans know how to fight. And then he steps on this trap that just kind of slices them in half. Brutal, but hey, that's what you get when you try to invade Wakanda. But the others don't have <laughs> such a greater fate either. They have spears thrown at them coming out of the sky and all but one, uh, only one survivor and then that survivor is told by an unknown voice to go and tell his tribe tell everyone about what will happen to them if they try the same fate 
So we fast forward now into present day America, where there is a war council meeting going on and they're going back and forth and trying to explain what's going on, who are these Wakandans, how dare they tell us what to do and all this other stuff. And so finally an expert quote, expert in Wakandan folklore, Mr. Everett Ross comes forward and gives him a full background story of who these Wakandans are. And he tells a story about um, during the colonization of Africa, one particular group tried to invade Wakanda, but um, yeah, it didn't go out too well for them. One particular man tried to grab a canyon uh, from one of the people and tried to fire upon them. But of course, because Wakanda is much more technologically advanced, they were able to best him and essentially slaughter the whole group. And then Earth Cross goes on and then they're like, oh, please, they're not that bad. And then they're like, nah, even the best of the best has gone up against him. He talks about the Fantastic Four uh, going up against them and he being the best them and also Captain America as well, too, being able to go into Wakanda, trying to go into Wakanda, but the Black Panther once again was able to stop him. And so it goes from there, it goes from ancient times, basically anyone who's ever Anyone who has ever tried to invade Wakanda has been stopped right there at the gate. No one has ever really been able to penetrate into and try to take over. And so Ever Ross goes on to explain the just or not just origins, but the just daily lives of Wakandan. To explain, he goes on to explain how the mantle of the Black Panther is something that's not just passed down hereditary. You really have to earn this title. Case in point. So there's a day in Wakanda where any Wakandan can challenge the Black Panther for the title of Black Panther and essentially become the king of or queen, because women can be Black Panthers too, mm-hmm, of Wakanda. So we go then from the war room in the U.S. to Wakanda where that vain event is actually occurring. So the new Black Panther is in the ring. He's looking at his challengers and one by one they come, one by one they just fall off because they just can't handle it. You truly have to be one with the spirit, not just in terms of physicality, but in the spirit as well too, to be able to earn this title of Black Panther. I mean, and this is just tradition. So hey, honestly, I think the US should probably, <laughs> probably not, but hey, you never know. Ah, so then, so the whole sporting event's going on. And so one of the uh, uh Participants like, so where's the child? I mean, he's supposed to be the next king because he is the descendant of King uh, T'Chaka. And so we go from the sporting event of the Black Panther, the current Black Panther fighting people to the castle where Queen Ramonda is walking around looking for her daughter, Sherry, because she had locked her up because she didn't want her daughter going and trying to win for the mantle but Sherry being Sherry she didn't listen and so she's running to the event trying to get in and just as she's about to get up onto the stage try to fight the Black Panther uh, one of the challengers it gets thrown from the ring and falls on her and then a mystery man runs up on the stage and then the Black Panther and the mystery man start to fight they get into it it's a heated it's a really really heated debate the illustrations of that fight are just absolutely fantastic and the mystery man, of course, is T'Challa. And even though, I mean, this was his birthright, he was supposed to do this, and he was trained, and he's just smarter than anyone, he was supposed to be the next Black Panther. But Queen Ramonda is still saddened by this because, as she says, it just makes him a better target. So while all of this is going on, he's coming into age and into his role now as the Black Panther, taking on his father's role. And actually, the old, not the old, but the 
his predecessor was his uncle, King Sion, who took over the mantle when King T'Chaka died. More on that in a little bit. So all this is going on in the background, of course, you have to have a villain story. So in this story, the villain here is Claw. Claw is gathering a team to defeat Wakanda. He's gathering a mega assassin. He's gathering together a, um, a person that they call the cannibal. He's gathering together all sorts of unnasted people to try and take over Wakanda. And as he's gathering together these group of assassins, just overall just vile people, he tells the story about why it's important for him to essentially kill and destroy Wakanda and take out the black, the current Black Panther, which is T'Challa. Uh, it goes back to the colonization story. So the man who grabbed the cannon and tried to fire upon the Wakandans back in the colonization age, he, Claw, is a descendant of that man. And so this is a very personal story for him. So in his country, his family then went back to Germany after all that happened. And he grew up to become an assassin to try and take out the Black Panther. And sure enough, his powers, bosses at B, as he calls them, uh, set him on a path to become a great assassin. And he got a job and his job was to kill the Black Panther. And so during a conference of whatnot, he does effectively kill T'Chaka, King T'Chaka. So he does, yeah, he does kill King T'Chaka. But before he does, King T'Chaka does get a good scratch in. So he does put up a good fight. And as he turns and tries to, you know, kill the rest of the remaining family, right behind him, Prince T'Challa, who was a, who was a little boy at the time, picks up a gun and shoots him. And so badly injures him. So Claw barely escapes alive. And his employers, as he calls them, uh, basically... You know, took his eye, took his arm that was badly injured and turned him into a half-man, half-machine. So his hand is now a claw, hence the name. And so he knew that he had to be trained for this because he knew one day that the Black Panther was going to come after him. So that's why he's putting together this team so that way uh, he can effectively you know, get him before he gets get, but again, get good. So yeah. Ah, so much going on, so much going on. So in the background, so coming forward to present day, I mean, King Prince, at this point, he's now King T'Challa. So in this story, though, I will say that King T'Challa is, King T'Challa is, he's very noble, he's very wise, incredibly smart, and a very fierce, independent warrior. Um, he's also a little funny, there's some humor in there every now and then, but it's overall just a really, really strong character. And one of the major things that always eats away at him is that he was unable to protect his family. He, in a way, internalizes the death of his father. He feels like it was his fault that his father died because he should have protected him. Which, I mean, he was a kid when that happened, so I mean. But then again, when tragedy strikes you as a young kid, you never know how you internalize these certain things. So. But there are just certain just Chala quotes that just like, I mean, you just gotta love the guy for it. I mean, there's one quote in particular. After he saves a boy from falling, he looks at him and says, you know, good works through me, the same as you. There is no feat I achieve that you are not capable of and as he walks away you know all hulky and whatnot his uncle king scion who is now on his war council turns and that is why he is the black panther
So he embodies both king and warrior and protector role very well in this context. So while all this is going on in the foreground now, Claw in the background has finally gathered his army and now they are on the attack. So they are attacking him from all sides, land, air, and water. Well, actually the water going back to the U.S. in the main conference room, they start to see that, you know, they're being attacked on by air and land. So they're like, you know, we're going to attack them by sea to try and get some of that good vibranium. And how they do it is by reactivating fallen soldiers' corpses as zombies. Yeah. It, yeah. Which, I mean, in this, and obviously it's a comic book, it's not real, but, you know, when you think about it, I wouldn't put it past the U.S. to try something like that. So Reginald Hudlin had a point there when putting that in there. But yeah, so going back into this battle, it's just left and right and center. And even though it seems like all hope is lost, like Wakabi looks at him like, oh my goodness, King, what are we going to do? He's like, Wakabi, calm down. I'm not worried. All my enemies are in one place. <laughs> As he puts it, like, this is actually works. Yeah, and the drag quote was like, I'm actually quite happy, actually. All my enemies are in one place. So he's looking at us like, I can take you all out one by one instead of me having to go look for you. So they did the whole work for him. <laughs> Truth. And also, he just, no matter what has happened, all this stuff happening with the army coming in, he just maintained his cool demeanor. Even though at one point, Claude does get the upper hand on him, he kidnaps his mother. And he basically tells, you know, in over a telegramming prompter, he tells the child to kill himself. And the child looks at him like, or what? And he's like, what do you mean, or what? I mean, I'm going to kill your mother. And he's like, well, yeah, that you would kill my mother? You will do that anyway. That you will destroy my kingdom? You will do that also. It really doesn't matter what you're going to do. Just know that I'm coming to kill you. And I'm paraphrasing there. But that's basically what he said. And so basically, you know, what's your leverage? And so... Queen Ramona's like, that's my son. He's like, and yeah, the son that just condemned you, Claw, to death. And as they're going back and forth, you know, Queen Ramona, she gets her licks in too. So she has managed to get away from Claw, runs away. And Claw tries to go, runs away into the internet. But then, of course, T'Challa, who always thinks three steps ahead, had cyber black panthers chase Claw out of the internet back into the main life. And so... T'Challa and him faced off once and one. He grabs a spear, drives it through his heart, effectively killing the man who killed his father. And he, he dies. He looks at him and says, that was for my father. So yeah, it ends right there with Black Panther having revenged his father, saved his kingdom, saved his crown, and maintained his warriorship. Oh, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot but that was so, such a good story I love Reginald Hudlund I mean it's a comic book though so I mean even though it's a lot of action you really just have to get the book and just look at all the illustration that goes along with it the coloring the schemes the drama it's it all adds in together and I just loved Reginald Hudlund's version he makes it even though it's drama and it's action it's still funny you know they have bits of comedy in there and for more details, and I just told you like the brief, brief, brief rundown of it. You got to get the book to read the full thing, to fully get the fullness of it. So original Hunter's version, it's fun. It, like I said, it's who is the Black Panther. It gives you a detail who he is, where he's from, why he has to do what he do, why he has to be who he is. So we get the who, the what, and the where with Rachel Hunter. 
But with Tanahasi Coat, he really delves more into the why. It's less funny and more introspective. It really goes into the what makes a good leader a good leader. You know, can you, what makes right? Is it might or is it better to be loved or is it better to be feared? That's a really major question that gets asked in Ta-Nehisi Coates' One Nation Under Our Feet. But before we go into that story, I want to take a quick little commercial break, do a quick little product promotion, and then we'll be right back. So stay tuned. Ladies of the podcast, did you know that your period is not supposed to hurt? Periods are normal, but the pain should not be. Inflammation occurs naturally on your cycle, but painful periods indicate that the inflammation is higher than it should be. That's where some main supplements come in. Samane, PMS supplement comes packed with nine superpowered plant extracts and minerals. Samane will not only help to lower your pain levels, but to also support your body naturally from cycle to cycle. For more information, go to their website at Samane. S-E-M-A-I-N-E health.com. Also follow them on Instagram at Semaine Health. Also, listeners of the podcast, when you find a supplement that you like to use, your Como code, Tanisha's Reading Corner to get 20% off your first bottle. Again, the promo code, Tanisha's Reading Corner to get 20% off your first bottle. Now, let's get back into the episode. Tanakasi Coates wrote this next section of One Nation Under Our Feet. He is an American author who has written books like Between the World and Me, critically acclaimed book, and also uh, The Water Dancer as well. So check those out as well too. And what makes this read so interesting, as I'm looking over it right now, so forgive the turning of the pages, uh, the introduction, which is done by Seth Myers, he really spells it out quite clearly. Let me just read that. <coughs> T'Challa is a leader, but he's not a perfect leader. He's a good man, but he doesn't always make good decisions. This is a book about wielding power, not superpowers, but rather the power one wields over people. Because in this book, punches and kicks don't over, don't knock over opponents. They knock over dominoes. And that is, that's where they fall that matters most. It should come as no surprise to anyone who has read any of Ta-Nehisi's previous works that he is a writer who understands that every decision made has a consequence. And when you're a king, those consequences affect a nation. Very true. Many times he thinks that he's going in and defeating enemies. Like one time he goes in to defeat enemy camp and the people come out and it's like, oh, your king has supported you, he has defended you. And they're like, um, those men were de- saving us. And so essentially he makes a massive mistake and in during all of this you know uh leaders of an insurgent group known as the people uh tattoo and sensi have begun to stoke feelings of resentment and bitterness among the people and they try to get the assistance of former dwarven melange or the adored ones ao and aniko who at this point forego the adored ones title and now become known as the midnight angels but they refuse because it's like you know what even though Wakanda's not for us anymore, we're not about to go against it. 
and yeah So Charles is going through a lot right now. Um, prior to his coming back, his sister Shuri was not queen, but now her spirits lost off into another foreign place. So he kind of has to step back into the mantle of not only Black Panther, but also as king as well, too. And so trying to just figure out who is this person? Why are my people turning against me? And so uh, his mother tells him that it is not enough to be the sword. You must be the intelligence behind it. So you can't just go in and just you know, break down doors and slash and drive. You also have to have a level of just basic politics going on here too. So yeah, his enemies are behind the scenes, you know, poisoning the minds of the people and just basically trying to convince the people that they don't need their king anymore because when the king's out of power then they can kind of come into power so there's a lot of power dynamics going on here and one of the things i really love about Tanahasi codes is that we don't just get to hear t'challa's speaking words we also get to see in like little blue box black boxes actually his inner thoughts his inner dialogue and how he feels like, for example, paralyze not what a king does, but what his subjects believe he might do. And that was something that King, that his uncle, Sion, said to him at the day that he became king. So even through all this, you get to see, you know, how he truly struggles. He doesn't struggle so much with the role of warrior. I think that comes to him naturally because that's what he was trained to do. But no one really can teach you how to be a good leader. Unfortunately, in order to be a good leader, you have to make a lot of mistakes. And in those mistakes, you're able to find out what works, what doesn't work. But when your mistakes affect an entire nation, the nation might get tired of you. At one point, though, the nation rises up and says, you know, we want free elections. We want, we don't want to be governed like this anymore. And so Charles is in a very precarious place, you know. I mean... At one point, he says, you know, forego it then. You know, it has been so for generations. We were condemned. We will not be terrorized. We are terror itself. So he kind of relies back on that fear aspect. But, I mean, fear works well when you're a warrior. But when you're a leader, it can only take you so far. <sighs> yeah, so his enemies are behind the scenes, poisoning the mind of the people. He's trying to gavelize them but it's just it it's not working out pretty good for him so to give kind of a brief summary of what goes on here so T'Challa is currently the king of Wakanda and holds the ceremonial title of Black Panther as well too like I said they're both connected but separate at the same time so he recently spent time away from his throne, fighting alongside the Avengers, but in his absence, several attacks and disasters have basically crippled his homeland. His sister Suri, who was serving as queen and Black Panther in his absence, was killed in an attack prompting, prompting T'Challa to come home. But when he arrives at Great Mound, the site of where all the vibranium is, uh, and... And all the workers, the miners, start to attack him. The miners are under the spell of, or, or I would say possession, I would say psychic possession, that's better, of a woman named Sensi. And T'Challa returns to the capital of Wakanda, the Golden City, to consult his advisor and stepmother, uh, Queen Ramonda. Well, 
Queen Mother Ramonda. There we go. In this book, he's that Queen Ramonda is his stepmother, not his mother. More on that later. But it is revealed that Cincy is working for a man named Tetsu, who is assembling an army with the intent of overthrowing the Wakandan government. What he wants to do is create a nation as one that is run by the people and not by the monarchy. So the T'Challa attracts the Sensei to a compound in the southern regions of Wakanda, which is near the border of Naganda, which is a fictional land which was in the, who is the Black Panther, the Nagandans were trying to invade, didn't invade, and they've always had this kind of back and forthness with them. So... Uh, Sensei uses her powers to force T'Challa to confront his greatest fears of not measuring up to the standards set by Black Panthers before him. But when T'Challa regains his consciousness, Sensei has eventually escaped and was unable to stop her. The people who T'Challa assumed to be prisoners claimed they were on their own violation and were being provided for. So essentially, she blinded him. She was, he wasn't able to see that the people that were defending, that he was fighting against, were actually defending the people. And, yeah. So it is revealed uh, Tetu is drawing a mystical energy from alchemy fields, also located near Nagandan border. It, it is discovered that Ramonda, that Tetu, was a former student of a philosopher of Wakanda named Charmaine. Uh, known for his very extremist point of views. Charmaine was previously a tutor of Ramonda in her youth, but he was fired from his position for his views on the need to challenge the supremacy of the monarchy. That was by Team Chaka. While Charmaine is not directly involved with Tattoo in any way, shape, or form, it is clear that he is basing, Tattoo is chasing his base, basing his rebellion off of the teaching that Charmaine had done, had given him. So T'Challa tracks Sensi back to Nagandan border where he critically injures her, but once this happens, Setsu summons the mythical force from the fields and controls the roots of the trees to restrain T'Challa and his soldiers while they were able to escape. So, unable to finally defeat her, she decides, you know what, let me just go back home, and where Ramona tells her in order to effectively lead, he must not only be the protector of Wakanda, but he must also be its citizen. So he has to be an example for his people, effectively. So he returns, and not simply because he owns the birthright of the Black Panther, but he also has to be. He prompts him to leave the palace, interact with the citizens of Wakanda, and to be that leader, be that figurehead that they all need. But while this storyline is going on, a kind of a secondary storyline is going on as well, too. Now, the Dora Milaje, they are typically silent, strong women an army of women who is there to protect the crown and a second storyline unfolds with Ayo and Aniko they were former members of the Dora Milaje the king's personal bodyguard uh, Aniko is a former commander in the Dora Milaje who stands accused of assassinating a village chieftain now this chieftain was assaulting women in the village but Ramonda still had to uphold her death sentence and Ayo, a younger Dormelage member and the lover of Anika, steals an experimental suit known as the Midnight Angel to break her out of prison and so that he can run off and be free. And after... So they were able to... So after they break free and 
Ao and Aniko break free. They steal the armor. Ao and Aniko then liberate a series of villages under the control of Lord Mandla, a warlord who wears gorilla-themed suit of armor and refers to himself as the Man-Ape. But after saving these people, they are approached by Tetsu, the enemy, the villain, the kind of the villain. Yeah, the villain. Uh, who wishes to join forces to overthrow T'Challa, they decided that um, even though they share a common enemy, which is T'Challa at this point, they don't want to work with him. But eh, but then also there's that story. So there's T'Challa trying to destroy Tetu and Sensi and begin the, not only that, but all the love of his people. You have this story of Ayo and Aniko. You know, trying to find their way after being dismantled from Dola Milaje. But then you have a third story kind of developing as well to Shuri. Even though her body is gone, her spirit has been transported to the land of dreams. The Dialaje or the plane of the Wakandan memory. Where she meets the Griot who takes the form of her mother, Ramona. Tell Shuri that... But the Greek tells Shuri no one in the living world is aware of this place, but it is there she will be able to tap into the greatest weapon of all, the memories of Wakanda. So these are the three main storylines that are going on. Eventually, Shuri does come back into her body and finds her soul has returned and is empowered. Um, when she does come back, she is truly empowered. She has a whole new costume. She looks good. Uh, this includes new supernatural abilities taken from the Wakandan lore, such as turning her skin to stone, transforming to a flock of birds, so she has the power of flight now. She now shares leadership with responsibilities with her brother, so Shuri and T'Challa begin a very calculated approach to squashing the People's Rebellion, the People's Rebellion being Sensi and Tetu. But first, Shuri directly approaches Ayo and Niku to discuss the Midnight Angel's role in all of this craziness. And Nico and A are shocked to see that nope, their queen is back to life. I mean, as anybody would naturally. But Shuri admonishes Aniko for broadcasting what she formally rejected Tyler as her king. Shuri admits that while the people may not be able to invade the capital on their own strength, if the government's attention is continually split between keeping checks on the people and the Midnight Angels, then Wakanda will surely fall. A house divided upon itself cannot stand. So. You really gotta pick a side here. Either you're with us or you're not. You're with them or you're with us. It seems unfair, but it kinda isn't, though. I mean, yes, you wanna be on your own. I get that, but I mean. Pick a side, people. Come on. Essentially, is what she's trying to say. So, Ayo proclaimed that she feels a new hope after seeing Shuri return back to the physical world. And so, they decided to take up sides again with T'Challa. But upon returning her counter from the Midnight Angels, Shuri tells T'Challa and the council that Sensei's power is growing stronger than ever before. Her ability to amplify the rage and desire for hope in the members of the people have turned them from simple soldiers to weaponized killing machines. Hate is a very powerful emotion. The things you will do purely out of anger and out of rage is just truly shocking. But underneath it all, what she's really tapping into is fear. What happens with fear, though, when it's left unchecked, it becomes, it turns into bitterness. And then bitterness compounded turns into anger and anger compounded explodes into violence and violence is on its way 
So what happens? So the child agrees and says he knows exactly what to do, as he always does. He's always three steps ahead. No matter what version, whether it's Reginald Hudlund, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee's, or Ta-Nehisi Coates, Black Panther always has a plan. That you can definitely count on. That's why I love him so much, and that's why he's the Black Panther. So he goes and talks to Charmaine. So they so Charmaine and discuss with him all the teachings that are the basis for Tattoo's rebellion. They discuss at a great length the implications of Charmaine's teachings, but T'Challa admits even though Tattoo has used them to justify violent means, there is some truth in them. T'Challa brings Charmaine back to the Golden City, where they plan for Charmaine to act as a more counter to Tattoo and Sensei and all their followers. With Charmaine's role in place, uh, T'Challa, Sherry, and the Council all prepare for hopes which be the final battle with the people. But while this is all going on, Anika has a brief call with Tattoo as she formally rejects Tattoo's request for the Midnight Angels to aid them on their attack against the Golden City. So, here we are. We are at the gates of the Golden City as T'Challa, Shuri, and their allies, and they're doing battle with the people. But soon, they become overwhelmed by the enhanced soldiers of the people and retreat within the walls of the Golden City. But once there, Charmaine begins to give a speech that really just delves into Wakandans to see the progress for their nation and increased rights for its citizens does not necessarily involve violence or completely dismantling the current governmental system. And what it, it does mean is that basically what he's just trying to say is that, you know, yes, there are issues right now, but violence is not going to be the answer. Destroying each other is not going to solve anything. If we're going to move forward, we have to move forward together as a nation and as one. And as he's saying this, you know, the people's armies, the people army that is being controlled by Sensi, they start to, her control over them is no longer as powerful because they're choosing peace over fear and anger. <sighs> so a battle ensues, they go back and forth. And so they do eventually get the upper hand, but Sensei, the uh, psychic, escapes and is transported to an unknown location. Uh, but after the battle, Shuri holds a meeting with the women of the Midnight Angels to begin to decide the future of Wakanda. So Charmaine is beginning to facilitate it. So sometime later, there's a meeting that's being held and Charmaine is leading it between the Wakandan government and the Midnight Angels. Now the Midnight Angels, with Aniko leading the charge, wish to have the right to form their own society outside of the Wakandan government. Aniko finds that the government to be unequal in its treatment of its Wakandans. But... Due to some heavy negotiations, Charmaine, Charmameyer, or Charmaine, I've been saying Charmaine, eventually convinces her in a private conversation that Wakanda and the Midnight Angels will collectively be stronger together than on their own. So, Wakanda needs the Midnight Angels and the Midnight Angels need Wakanda. Again, this book is titled One A Nation Under Our Feet. Not under Black Panther's feet, not under the Midnight Angels' feet, but under each other. So we work stronger together than apart. So Sherry Ramonda, so Ramon, yeah. So in all this battling whatnot, Queen Ramonda actually does get injured. 
I'm not gonna so as I do with all my book reviews I don't give you guys all the details because I do want you to go read the books but for the context of this she was injured at one point but she comes out of it and the child is now telling her that the people have been defeated for now at least and the Wakandan government is still trying to be restructured and it's going to be a summit and representatives every part of Wakanda to build a new constitution so basically it's becoming semi-democratic the people have more rights and they'll be able to talk give talk to the monarchy i mean wakanda at its core it will always need a black panther and the black panther will leave wakanda so that part will never change but the people now have more rights and i think that's all they really wanted they didn't want the death in the field that's what tetsu and sensei wanted those rebellious leaders that's what they wanted but the people just like i just want my rights and so they have them now so now Ramona is hesitant at the idea, but the child assures her that he will still be king in Black Panther. And he will preside only as a representative of Wakanda and not its firm leader. He now knows that Wakanda needs to be given a chance to govern itself as a collective unit. So yeah, like I said, it, it goes from being about him to being about the us and the we. We, the people, get to govern Wakanda. So yeah, and at the end, yeah, so that is Wakanda, a nation under our feet. Not all of it, I didn't go into great details, but I do want you to read the book. But again, so to compare these two, Reginald Hudlin, again, like I said, it was more about the who, the what, the where, whereas this part, you kind of have to know a little bit about Wakanda history to fully understand what's going on here because Tanakazi Hose kates it out of that and goes into the why. Why do we need only one king? Why don't the people have rights? What's going on here? Does everyone, is everyone truly being treated in Wakanda? Even though that's his ideal, that's his goal, is, have we truly fit that? Is T'Challa a good king? Is he not a good king? Can you be good at one but not the other? And in this case, there is no one real answer. And you know what? I'm not going to answer that question for you. I'm going to have you, like I keep saying, I'm going to have you read these books and come up with your own conclusions. The, the role of the Black Panther in comic in the Marvel Universe really has been one of my favorites. I love the depth that they bring to this character. I love how a lot of what he goes through is very political. I love how it makes you think, it makes you laugh, it makes you just really contemplate how you view and think about the world that we live in. So that was a lot. This was a longer episode, but I'm thankful that you're here to the very end. I hope, hope, and pray that you go see Wakanda Forever in theaters this Friday. Go get your tickets right now. I know a lot of people were you know, disappointed because they didn't recast the role of Black Panther. They probably will in future movies, but you know what? There are, like, a ton of Hossie Codes point out that it wasn't just about the Black Panther. There were also all these other different areas of Wakanda that we don't even get to see, that we didn't get to see in the first movie, that perhaps in this one we'll be able to discover more. We'll be able to learn more about the Dora Milaje. We'll be able to know more about the different areas of Wakanda. So there is more to be told. And you know what? Shuri becoming the Black Panther. That is, that's why I was always in the comic book. So I'm excited to see that as well too. 
So I cannot wait. And I hope that this show has helped, you know, maybe satisfy even a little bit of Wakanda fever that you might be having as we wait for Friday for the movie to come out. As always, I will end this podcast with a quote from one of my, some of my favorite artists. And today's artist is, was, will always will be an actor. And honestly, not even just an actor, an artist, really. Uh, he was in, you know, um, Marshall. He played third girl Marshall in Marshall. He played James Brown in Get On Up. He played Jackie Robinson also. And just, and he was also nominated for an Academy Award, Post Humorist, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is on Netflix. Please go watch. It was an incredible film. He's also in Spike Lee's movie, The Five Bloods. So also go see that one as well. And of course, he played Black Panther. First appeared in the Civil War Black, the Civil War Avengers movie, then had his own film, Black Panther, also in the Endgame as well. And it just blows my mind that while he was playing Black Panther, he was battling a deadly disease. True strength, I tell you. It is saddened that he is gone, but his memory will forever live on. So I end today's podcast with a quote from Mr. Chadwick Boseman. I'm an artist. Artists don't need permission to work, regardless of whether I'm acting or not. I write. I write when I'm tired, in fact, because I believe that is when your most pure thoughts service. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. And on that, I thank you once again for listening to another episode of Tanisha's Reading Corner. Uh, please follow me at Tanisha's Reading Corner on Instagram. Also, please, please, please like, rate, review, share with family and friends, share with at least 10 different people, help grow the podcast so that way we can inspire more people to make reading a daily habit. I thank you again for listening. I'm wishing you all good wellness and good reading.